The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by Take-Two Healthcare. We want to put you on the WHIO payroll. I want to win so bad. Win $1,000 cash five times every weekday. Now you're talking. The WHIO payroll payout is sponsored by Saka, the Southern Ohio Chamber Alliance. Always looking out for the best interest of small business owners. You're on WHIO. And a very good morning, everybody out there. This is Dr. Andrew Dyer joining you live this morning on the first Saturday of September. And we have a nice full hour ahead of us today because there's no football game. So we get to be with you for the full hour, and we'll be sharing with you some thoughts, ideas, articles from the research this week on how to live a more healthy life, how to keep your body healthy, how to get your body healthy, and then how to maintain that how to check it year in, year out to make sure that you're doing all the things you can to stay as healthy as possible for as long as you can do it. And there really should be no limit in terms of how long you can do it. We have several patients in their 90s. In fact, we've cared for people over 100 years of age before. But right now, uh, the oldest patient I see on a regular basis is 95 years old. And I met with him this week in our office. And we talked about how he'd been doing this past year. And he said, fine, he's been struggling a little bit with some shortness of breath, uh, but he battles through that, and we've got him tightened up on some new new vitamin ideas for him and for his well-being, and we'll check him again uh, about six months from now, make sure that things are going well for him, but he actually never knew it, but found out at a doctor's appointment in the spring that he had already had COVID. He never knew he had COVID because he wasn't sick. He never thought to even get tested because he wasn't sick. But when they saw him for a routine evaluation for shortness of breath, they ran antibodies on him to see if he had had previous infection, and it came back that he had positive antibodies. So he had had previous infection. 95 years old, continually uh, staying healthy. I see him about once a month in the office for acupuncture treatment for his knees. Uh, he's been eligible for a knee surgery for a number of years, but but there's not a lot of surgeons that want to put a new knee in a 95-year-old patient. So we just keep him going with acupuncture and with nutrition, and he does great. And so, excuse me, just uh, wanted to share with you one of his longevity markers that really has kept him going along this path to, to the place where he's gone, 95 years of age and still climbing the mountain. He's a World War II veteran, and we want to thank him for his service for sure, but we also want to know and understand what keeps his lungs healthy. He plays in no less than six or seven bands every summer. He plays the saxophone, he plays the clarinet, and he's had some trouble recently getting his saxophone all the way back to the auditorium where he wants to play it, so he said, now I'm just going to focus on the clarinet. It's a little bit lighter. I can carry it easier. I can get into where I need to go and play it. But it's playing those instruments that helps keep his lungs as strong as they are. And lung function is one of our greatest indicators for longevity. So we need to do everything we can to keep our lungs strong and healthy. So what could we do for lung health? Well, one, we have to stay free of infection. So if that's our main goal, we need to know our vitamin D status. We can check that on a simple blood test. Typically, the medical doctors want you to be above 32 to be considered in the normal range for vitamin D3. In our clinic, we want you higher than 50. 
In fact, if we can get you up to 75 or greater, that's where optimal cancer protection comes in. So if we want to make sure the lungs stay healthy and free of infection, we need to optimize our vitamin D status. Now, in order to get there, you might have to take five or 10,000 IUs per day for a little while. And it should be D3. That's the, the proper form that the human body can absorb most efficiently. And you can get that in a small tablet, small capsule. It doesn't have to be in a liquid form. The tablets work great. I've been taking ours for 16 years, and my levels always stay above 80. And I average between five and 10,000 I use per day with D3. And that's what I recommend nearly everybody do. Now, it's important to know your level because D is a fat-soluble vitamin. So if we don't know the level that you have currently in your body, we need to find out because maybe you don't need so much or maybe you need more than, than the average person would. But for longevity and lung function, vitamin D3 optimization is key. Now, there's some other things, too. There's some nice natural anti-inflammatories that come in a formula called natural dehist. Now, typically, dehist we use to help with seasonal allergies. But there are some ingredients in there, quercetin, N-acetylcysteine, uh, and stinging nettles uh, that really do a nice job with making sure the lungs don't get inflamed and reducing inflammation and congestion in the sinus passages of the body. So natural dehis is another great option. The other thing that's great for lung function is making sure that we are taking enough vitamin C per day. So vitamin C could be 4,000, 6,000 milligrams daily, depending upon how big your body is and what your goals are. Um, and that's an easy one to supplement as well. Should be very easily tolerated by the bowel at those levels. Uh, but I want to share uh, some thoughts from an article I found this week in, in show prep time. And it's an interesting title because it says, does a healthy diet equal optimal health? Okay, certainly we can never out-train a bad diet. So if we're trying to get fit, we're trying to get healthy, and we're eating a poor diet or a bad uh, lo diet low in vitamins and minerals, we're not going to get to our goal as quickly and as easily. But if we're going to eat a healthy diet and then we're also going to supplement that diet with, with proper nutrients, then we're going to do really well. And so uh, here, here's some of the facts from it. There's no doubt that our patients are overfed but undernourished. A U.S. national survey of over 16,000 people age 4 and older from NHANES 2007 to 2010 found that 94% of people in the U.S., do not receive the daily requirement for vitamin D. Why? Because too many people are counting on that 40 IUs in an egg yolk or that maybe 100 IUs we absorb some, from sunshine. See, when they measure vitamin D absorption in the skin or, on, or by the body, they measure it naked at the equator. And if we're not near the equator and we're wearing too many clothes, then we're not going to get a absorption of vitamin D3 optimally. So 88.5% uh, are not getting enough vitamin E. Vitamin E is an Edward. So 94% deficient in D, 885 don't get enough E, 52.2% not getting enough magnesium, 44% shy in calcium, 43% shy in vitamin A, and 38.9% shy in vitamin C. Potassium, choline, and vitamin K intakes were also low according to the study. So how can we make up for those gaps? And how can we do it with diet alone? Well, the simple and short answer of it is we can't. We cannot do it from diet alone. It's, it's an impossible task. When you look at that, just the example I was giving, vitamin D, and knowing that the average egg yolk might have 40 to 60 IUs in an egg yolk, and we can get 5,000 IUs in one tablet, 
we can't eat enough egg yolks in one day to do it. Now, if you heard me last week, I was talking a lot about egg yolks and, and the myth that they cause and contribute to elevated cholesterol levels. That's simply not true. We don't have any evidence to support that fact. Um, but we know that there's some nutrients that do come from those egg yolks that are beneficial, and here are some. So this little list from, from the same article, signs and symptoms of nutrient deficiencies common in older adults. Here are some key things to look for and some key ways to supplement yourself to make sure you don't get sick. I know we don't want to think about winter coming, but it's inevitable. It will be coming. And so we need to prep our bodies now for that time. So let's go down the list. We'll start with, with vitamin B12. Common nutrient that we use a lot of in the office, but we test first. So signs and symptoms of deficiency in seniors. Age-related atrophic gastritis. So inflammation in the stomach can lead to decline in the absorption of B12. The deficiency is common in older people, but are often undiagnosed. Deficiencies are linked to high homocysteine levels, a risk factor for cardiovascular concerns. Low levels are also associated with cognitive impairment. We're going to talk about more of that on the other side of the break. There's a new study on mushroom intake that I need to share with you. As well as anemia resulting in weakness and fatigue. So B12, low levels associated with cognitive impairment as well as anemia resulting in weakness and fatigue. How simple and easy is it to get B12? Well, B12 in our diet comes from muscle meats, organ meats, okay? So fish, chicken, turkey, salmon, you name it. I know that's a fish, but specifically looking at a picture of salmon. So eat salmon, eat beef, eat chicken. Those are high B12 foods. Spinach is too. We have tons of options there. Now folate, another one of the B vitamins. Deficiency linked to, again, high homocysteine levels, dementia, and even depression, Low levels are a common cause of anemia in older adults, resulting in weakness and fatigue. Due to the MTHFR polymorphism, this is specific genetic coding in some people, uh, which is fairly common in the population, many people do not absorb folate or folic acid from food. However, if we give, her, give them proper nutrient support with the right B vitamin forms, they'll absorb it just fine or to a majority level. Vitamin B6, deficiency again linked to high homocysteine levels. So three nutrients right off the bat, B12, B9 or derivative of B9 folate, and B6 all linked back to high homocysteine levels. If you have high homocysteine levels, you need to be on a B-complex vitamin, no, no questions asked. It will help you. It will bring the levels down. This is a risk factor for cardiovascular concerns, and how easy would it be to take one B-complex nutrient per day? You can get a three-month supply of this stuff for less than $20. That's pretty good. Vitamin B1 or thiamine. Thiamine. Common deficiency in the elderly that's often undiagnosed. Again, deficiencies linked to heart failure, encephalopathy, and peripheral neuropathy. Now, B1 is an interesting nutrient because too little can lead towards peripheral neuropathy. Too much can also be an issue. It's about 200 to 300 milligrams daily on the upper level limit. For, for considering to be a healthy dosage there. So how many chiropractic patients are walking into your office, if you're another chiropractor out there listening today, and you see peripheral neuropathy in them, and you think, yep, spinal complaint, lumbar spine, disc, uh, nerve involvement, radiculopathy, etc. Yes, probably that's related. Could be. Also could be vitamin B1 deficiency. If you haven't checked it, you should. Maybe you can help that patient, uh, even in addition to the manipulation you're giving them. Calcium, 
Common deficiency in older women due to decreased dietary intake with age. Low levels linked to rapid bone loss. Low bone mass. Increased fracture risk. And leg cramps can be a sign that increased calcium intake is needed. Okay. Usually I find in our patients that are having cramping issues is typically a magnesium Maybe potassium, but typically magnesium problem. Calcium, I guess, is in the mix there too, but really it's more magnesium in my experience. Now, vitamin D, you heard me talk about a little bit before. Elderly people usually receive less sun exposure. In addition, with age, the skin does not synthesize this vitamin very well. So furthermore, in older people, the liver and kidneys have a weakened ability to hydrolyze vitamin D. Deficiencies associated with rapid bone loss, low bone mass, increased fracture risk, and even muscle weakness. saw a lady earlier this week uh, in her early to mid-60s, and she told me about breaking her wrist last year when she was out walking her dogs, and then this year breaking a bone in her foot and ankle area out walking her dogs. So when we talked and we went through her past medical history and looked at the medications she was on, well, she wasn't on any, so that was an easy look, But I elected to order one additional blood marker for her in addition to the 55 markers we were already running. And that test is called osteocalcin. And it assesses for fracture risk. And once we know that, we can do some things about it and help to uh, control it, move it the right direction. I do want to remind you, if you have questions, uh, things you want to talk about on the air with me, a number to call here at the studio is 937-457-1290. And we're going to be taking a break here just shortly. And we'll be back on the other side of the break. You're listening this morning to Dr. Andrew Dyer on 1290 WHIO. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. And we're back. Thank you very much. Dr. Andrew Dyer here this morning with you. And I didn't really give you a big intro this morning on myself, but I'm guessing most of you have heard my name before. And I'm a doctor of chiropractic. I have couple of other advanced degrees. I'm board certified in chiropractic acupuncture as well as in clinical nutrition. And so that's what you really hear us cover on this program. And I say we because Dr. Van Merkel is the founder of our clinic, Take-Two Healthcare. Uh, Dr. Natalie Yaley has been working in our office as well for the last 11 years. And in about the next two weeks, I'll start year 17 here in practice in the Miami Valley. So if you haven't heard us before, I'm glad you tuned in today, and, and thank you for listening. Take2Healthcare.com is our website if you want to learn more about our office and things we do. Uh, you can find us, like I said, there on the web. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. Uh, you can call the office, too, Monday morning, 937-433-3241. That is our office phone number. And we are in the Royal Swiss Village on State Route 48 in between Whip and Ron Roads right there in Washington Township, um, just up from the Dorothy Lane Martin. Dorothy Lane Market Complex. Okay, where I was leaving off on the uh, first segment here and the other side of the break was with vitamin C. And looking at that as a common deficiency finding in older adults. Insufficient intake is very common among older adults, and vitamin C is important for immune support. Talked about it earlier related to lung function and maintaining collagen of blood vessels among many other beneficial effects. Smokers 
have an increased need for this vitamin. If you're a smoker and you don't want to be a smoker any longer, I do smoking cessation work in the office too with my acupun- in my acupuncture practice. I've helped several people this year already give up smoking for good. And it works great. It's about a two-week treatment protocol. Uh, we treat you four days out of five the first week. And then any cleanup work that needs to be done in week two, we get that done as well. And then basically by the end of week two, there should be no longer a habit for you in your life of smoking. So if that's a, a bugaboo for you and you want to do something about it, call our office and get and get booked for that. Iron deficiency. Signs and symptoms, again, nutrient deficiencies in older adults, iron deficiency. Women don't need as much iron after menopause since they are no longer losing blood during menstruation. Well, that's kind of a broad sweeping generalization. Some women do need iron support even after menopause, but you have to check their levels first. We would never give someone iron unless we knew they needed it. So we have to check. However, women with GI problems, gastrointestinal problems, vegetarians, or people who often donate blood can have low iron levels too. So again, needs to be checked. The elderly who are hospitalized, institutionalized, or chronically ill can also be iron deficient. Iron deficiency leads to anemia, weakness, and fatigue. Chest pain, rapid heartbeat, shortness of breath, cold feet and pale skin are all potential signs of iron deficiency. So that needs to be looked at. Iron levels need to be checked and also the backup supply for iron called ferritin. It can tell you a whole lot about the person, how healthy they are. Okay, three more deficiencies. Zinc. Deficiency in the elderly leads to immune impairment and susceptibility to infection. So again, you've heard us talk in the last year and a half extensively about zinc. Common daily intake should be around 100 milligrams. You can go a little higher than that if need be. 50 milligrams for sure. Then on up to 100, maybe even 200 if you are if you are sick and trying to get well. If you're using it as a preventative dose, probably 50 to 100 would be fine. But deficiency in the elderly leads to immune impairment and susceptibility to infection, as I mentioned. And low levels of this mineral are commonly seen in older adults. We check this on every patient we see. Zinc levels. Now, it's a, it, it actually is an evaluation tool that we see within our hair test. We don't have it on our blood test, but the hair gives us great information. Does the body holding on to too much zinc? Is it pushing out too much zinc? Does it have a need for more zinc? All those questions can be answered in one simple test. Selenium. Deficiency may lead to cardiovascular disease, impaired immunity, and cognitive problems. Where do we get selenium in our diet? Brazil nuts. Brazil nuts are the highest source of selenium in the diet. We get it from other colorful fruits and veggies as well. But selenium is a trace mineral, easy to take, inexpensive, and works great. Looks like we're going to be taking another break here. And on the flip side, we'll finish our last sign and symptom for nutrient deficiencies in the elderly. You've been listening this morning to Dr. Andrew Dyer on AM 1290 WHIO. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. And we are back. Thank you very much. Again, Dr. Andrew Dyer joining you live this morning on Take Two Healthcare, your guide to better living. Just to wrap up the article that we've been using this morning to get you the information you need, the last one, signs and symptoms of nutrient deficiency common in older adults. Magnesium. This is the fourth most common nutrient deficiency across the planet. 
Low levels commonly seen in the elderly. This nutrient helps to support muscle function, heart health, mood and well-being, and maintains healthy blood sugar and insulin levels. Wow. That's a powerful nutrient. And it's the fourth most common nutrient deficiency. It would be such an easy correction to make. Just take magnesium twice a day. One tablet with your breakfast, one tablet with your dinner. Sure, our foods will help us get some, but our foods will not help us get 400 milligrams of magnesium daily. And that's what most adult patients need or will require. So if you have heard this list before and you heard this list today and you have some of these things affecting your body already, it might not be too late. But the time to act is now so we can reverse these things. First, we have to identify them and then put you on a path to get them better. Just a little final uh, blurb before we end this article. It's keto, paleo, or vegan diets. Many patients that are on specific types of diets that can lead, if they're not careful, to deficiency in some nutrients. So people eating more keto-type diets often almost completely eliminate fruit, which is fine if they're also eating a lot of vegetables rich in vitamin C and potassium. However, some patients are not getting enough vegetables, and therein lies the problem. Keto and paleo diets also eliminate grains, which are a good source of B vitamins, iron, zinc, copper, and magnesium. Additionally, many patients are undertaking intermittent fasting, where food is only eaten in a 6-8 to hour window each day. Doing this may reduce the number of meals patients consume and therefore reduce the nutrient intake. Well, if you're doing the intermittent fasting part and you're doing it quote-unquote correctly, you're still going to be getting a high level of nutrient intake during the window of time you're eating. You don't necessarily have to spread that part throughout the entire day, but you, you will be taking supplementation two to three times daily, and that will help fill in some of the gaps. But supplementation is just that. It's not to, meant to be instead of a meal. It's meant to be in addition to a good, healthy meal. Furthermore, paleo and vegan diets eliminate dairy, which can lead to calcium deficiency. No, not true. We know that's not true. And vegan diets can also be deficient in, in B12, iron, creatine, carnosine, and taurine, some of the things that we only get by eating organ meats, like I mentioned. So uh, that, that one kind of gets us to really just start thinking about while a healthy diet is crucial, supplementation is crucial on top of it to help get us back to fully healthy and not just at a low level of sustainability, but at functioning on optimal levels. I mentioned earlier about mushrooms and how those can help safeguard the brain and reduce dementia risk. So I found this article about a week ago. It's really interesting. It says adding mushrooms to the diet could help fight the risk of Alzheimer's by up to 52%. So they looked at a they, they did a study on about 600 individuals in Singapore, and they followed men and women across a six-year time period. But before that, let me give you a little background on the mushrooms. There are over 50,000 species of mushrooms, and they can be pre prepared a lot of different ways. You can even take mushroom extract in a capsule. We have a great product at the office we use called RM10, a great immune builder, and it's four or five different mushroom types in a capsule. So they're going to look at these mushrooms to find out scientifically what can they help us with. So science has found that regular eating of mushrooms could reduce early signs of Alzheimer's. So MCI, or mild cognitive impairment, is thought to be a transition phase between age-associated cognitive decline and Alzheimer's. The, de the degenerative brain disease affecting over 6 million Americans. MCI is considered a precursor to Alzheimer's, just like being overweight is considered a precursor to diabetes. 
However, the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease found that the vegetable potential potentially has neuroprotective properties which can delay this degenerative process. So the study's authors wrote that they hypothesized mushroom consumption was associated with reduced odds of having mild cognitive impairment. And this association is independent of potential confounders. So they looked at it and took out or, or graded for age, gender, education level, lifestyle factors, and certain medical conditions that are associated with cognitive impairment. So they did all that before they got their um, sample size down. Researchers in Singapore worked with diets of 663 men and women across a time period of six years. Why? Because if they only did it for six weeks or six months, they're not going to know enough about cognitive change in that span of time. So over six years, they carried out memory and thinking tests on these men and women. The research concluded that participants who ate one to two portions... And this works out to about three-quarters of a cup of cooked mushrooms per week. Had a 43% reduced chance of developing MCI. The individuals who ate over two portions a week had a 52% reduction in risk. So if one portion is three-quarters of a cup, two portions is going to be a cup and a half. So if you can eat a cup and a half of mushrooms every week and do so for several years in a row, you may help your brain in the long term. And I say you may, because there's certainly other factors. If you smoke and you drink too much alcohol and you do other things that make your body not as healthy as possible, then eating all the mushrooms in the world isn't going to save your brain. It's just part of a previously healthy diet and habit routine. Previous research in this area found that eating mushrooms three times a week is also linked to a 19% reduced risk of dementia. So that's pretty exciting because... Just looking at one particular food, like mushroom with 50,000 species, what do mushrooms contain that could potentially be beneficial here? Well, they contain polyphenols, they contain polysaccharides, they have vitamins, carotenoids, the precursors to vitamin A, and other minerals which have shown positive benefits. This shows promising research in the area, and certainly focusing on a healthy, balanced diet as a whole is likely to be much more beneficial. Just like I was saying, we can't overcome or we can't out-train a bad diet. What I mean by that is no matter how much exercise you go out and get, if your training table is filled with garbage, then your body's not going to work as well. And if you heard me last week on the, the myths article that we were covering, not every... 30 or 45 minute exercise routine needs to be accompanied by a sports drink in the end. Even if it's very, very hot and humid, uh, like it has been here in Dayton, Ohio, water replenishes your body just fine. You don't need chocolate milk. You don't need Gatorade. You need water. Okay. And so those are some of the things you can do to be as healthy as you can be. Now, what about getting yourself checked and tested? You've heard us before talk about a set of tests that we do regularly at our office called baseline testing. And we call it baseline testing because it helps us establish your baseline. Okay, pretty novel name, right? Well, baseline testing encompasses some very thorough blood work. Probably close to 100 blood markers are run. Our 55-point regular panel. We run a, either a male or a female cancer profile, depending upon the, the gender of the patient. We'll run an advanced coronary panel shows 18 different biomarkers for heart health. And why are we so concerned about heart health and cancer risk and on and on and on down the road? Well, if you look at heart disease and cancer, they still rank number one and number two 
on the list of what kills people. Heart disease, number one, cancer, number two. And so if we can identify these problems early, then we can do something about them. So on that baseline testing, beyond just the blood work, what else do you get for that baseline testing? Well, if it's a female patient, they're going to get a thermography uh, evaluation as well for, for breast health monitoring. And then depending upon if it's a male or female, it doesn't matter. We're going to do body composition. So we have an excellent machine for measuring body composition in our office. And then we have an EKG that will run. And we have a pulmonary function test. And if you heard me talking about this within the last couple of weeks, the pulmonary function test, again, becomes that great indicator for us on longevity. Had a 65 or, or older patient in the office this week who we did a PFT on spirometry or pulmonary function test. And we ran four of them. He screwed one up. He didn't get his lips around the, the mouthpiece very well. But we, we ran four. We threw out the one that was junk that, that didn't come out right. Uh, because of error on the user end. But we got a great sample site, sample size with three of those tests, and he turned out to be below average. Well, he was recovering from, he's actually re fully recovered from COVID, and he was doing well with lung function, and then he noticed things kind of start turning the other direction. So we did a pulmonary function test on him, and you're supposed to be 75% or better in terms of what your forced vital capacity is. FVC is the first line item that the pulmonary function test measures. And if you cannot get 75% of your lungs emptied in the five seconds that we're doing this test, then you're not as healthy as you should be. And that's literally what the test measures. It measures how much you get rid of in one second, and it measures how much you can hold in five seconds versus how much you get rid of, and all those good technical pieces. But what it ultimately tells us is you either have a restrictive lung problem or you have an obstructive lung problem. Either there's something in the way or there's something squeezing down those air passages, those bronchioles, and really not allowing your body to function on the high level that it should. And then... Once we notice or once we see the result there, we can put together a plan to make you healthier. So again, what were some of those nutrients for lung health? Well, if you're dealing with infection in the lungs and there's cough that goes along with it, one of my best things that I use for my patients as well as for myself, if I get a really nasty cough that kind of settles in my upper chest and lung field, I'm going to use oil of oregano and I'm going to use all 60 pearls up in three days' time. I'm going to take 20 pearls per day for three days in a row, and I'm going to use all 60 of them. That's going to be one of the ways I'm going to try to get rid of this chronic cough. Now, I'm also going to be taking two to three scoops of loracetin. I'm giving you the examples of what I do. I'm 195 pounds, six feet tall, 43 years of age, if that helps you create a picture for yourself. But the, the dosages that I'm using are probably higher than I'm even going to recommend to some of my patients, but... At times when we need to, we can go to very high levels of nutrient intake just for three or four days, get you well again, and then drop it back down. They're safe, they're effective, and they do a great job if we use them properly. So oil of oregano, 60 tabs or 60 pearls, use them all up in three days' time. You're taking 20 per day, so 10 with your breakfast, 10 with your dinner. Only drawback to that is if you do have a belch or a burp, you might get a little oregano taste there, but that's, that's the worst of it. And that's really something you can easily deal with as opposed to coughing your brains out all night while you're trying to sleep. Loracetin, two to three scoops daily. Dehis could be helpful here. 
We'll use fish oil, probably about 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams daily, and then vitamin D, maybe 10,000, maybe even 15,000 for a little while till we're healthy again. And vitamin C, sure. I mean, the list can go on. You can list garlic. You can list chrysoforte, RM10. You could, you could list 10, 12, 15 different things. Or you could hit four or five of them really thoroughly and really well for several days' time until you're well again. Uh, another little article I wanted to share with you because it's so cool. I thought so anyway. I found it. So here it is. Longest living people in the world eat these four anti-inflammatory spices every day. Now, why do we spend so much time on this program talking about longevity? Well, isn't that what everybody wants? Maybe not. Maybe your life isn't as good as you want it to be, and maybe you don't want to be here anymore. That's kind of a sad predicament. But if you're happy to be here and you have a purpose, you have kids or grandkids depending on you, or you have a spouse or you have family that you want to be able to see and and get together with, then you want to stay around. You want to be healthy. You want to be here as long as you can be. So these four anti-inflammatory spices are eaten every day by the oldest living people on our planet. I'll list them for you now, and then we'll break them down a little bit on the other side of the break. But number one is turmeric. Or turmeric. You can say it a couple different ways depending upon where you're from. Turmeric is the delicious and vibrant spice that makes a regular appearance in the meals commonly consumed by those in these blue zones, particularly in Japan. Okay? It's a spice used in cooking, and we can get it also in a capsule form. So turmeric for sure. Number two on this list of longevity spices, black pepper. Now, there actually are some people that are sensitive and allergic to black pepper. So if you're one of those, certainly you're not going to want to load up on black pepper, but that's okay. You can use the others. And it's not all that common to be allergic or sensitive to black pepper, but I have seen it on some of our tests. Ginger. Ginger and turmeric. We have them in one supplement called curcumin complex. It has both ginger and turmeric in it. Ginger is excellent for promoting health and longevity because it contains compounds known as gingerols and shogols, two compounds that create an antioxidant effect that reduces free radical damage in the body and that's how we live longer this is beneficial because free radical damage can cause a subsequent increase in oxidative stress stress which can both cause and exacerbate obesity this damage occurs down at the cellular level but once those damaged cells replicate they can disrupt the body's natural process that maintain homeostasis and keep metabolism and energy levels elevated So you put ginger in your tea, use it alongside stir-fried vegetables or fish, or as a component in dressings or marinades. You can even put it in a smoothie if, if you so desire. On the other side of the break, we'll talk more about what the longest living people on our planet eat every day. You've been listening here this morning to Dr. Andrew Dyer on AM 1290 WHIO. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. And thank you very much. We're going to finish up these last couple minutes here. This is Dr. Andrew Dyer again with you this morning. And I'm a doctor of chiropractic, just like Dr. Merkel and Dr. Yaley in our practice. You can find us on the web at take2healthcare.com. So the word take, T-A-K-E, the number two, and then healthcare.com. You can call us at the office Monday morning, 937-433-3241. But just in wrapping up today, from a longevity standpoint, the people that live the longest on our planet 
eat these four common spices every day. And we mentioned the first couple already. Turmeric or turmeric, number one. Number two, black pepper. Number three is ginger. And number four is garlic. I love garlic. I've loved garlic for a long time. My senior year research project in college, my undergraduate work, was to use garlic to kill bacteria. And I had a couple of great advisors that guided me through this project because I really hadn't done a lot of laboratory research prior to this. But I pressed my own garlic pastes and then diluted them down, did a bunch of different mixtures on those dilutions, and then we started to kill bacteria with them. So I was very interested in microbiology, so I did a microbiological focus with garlic. And we were able to kill things like staph, strep, E. coli, but not pseudomonas. Hardly anything kills pseudomonas. Pseudomonas is a, a bug that's found in our soil. And when it gets into our body, it's very difficult to get rid of. But garlic can kill staph, strep, and E. coli very efficiently, very effectively in different doses. But garlic, while it's not technically an herb, it's a plant from the allium or onion family that's used in a similar health-boosting flavor agent in cooking. So garlic's used in many dishes within these blue zones, and it helps to provide significant health benefits associated with longevity. Garlic is naturally anti-inflammatory and antimicrobial, and has been shown to improve overall immune function per a recent 2020 study, as well as to help reduce cholesterol and blood pressure. Garlic has been shown time and again to help boost our immune system and fight against the common cold. In one study, 600 milligrams, up to 1,500 milligrams of aged garlic extract, was shown to be as effective as the drug atenolol at reducing blood pressure over a six-month period. So for some of my patients out there, if you're struggling with blood pressure, hopefully you're not because we've addressed it for you. But if, if we still can't uh, do a great job getting the numbers down with everything you're taking, if you're not using garlic, maybe that's something we should consider using. Certainly we do use it when we have the need for it based on testing for cholesterol. But if the blood pressure is higher than you want it to be, maybe 1,000 milligrams a day of garlic for several months' time. They say it takes six months uh, when they compared it with the drug, but garlic's extremely versatile. It works well in stir-fry sauces, dressings, oils, and dips. Mix it in with potatoes, omelets, veggies, Brussels sprouts, or even roasted broccoli. So a variety of ways to get it and consume it naturally. But if you don't care for the taste of garlic and you don't want to mix it in with your foods, you can take garlic in a capsule. We have garlic at the office that has 500 milligrams per one tab. So we can give you either one, two, or three of those daily, depending upon the patient's need. And that is one of the ways that will address cholesterol and blood pressure. There are other ways, too. Ubiquinol works great, CoQ10. Ubiquinol is a, for every 100 milligrams of that substance, we get 300 usable milligrams of CoQ10 out of it. Now, if you haven't read the paper that I published on CoQ10, that's available on our website, too. It's a good read because it's a literature review. It condenses down some of the great studies they've done on CoQ10 and gives it to you in an easily digestible format. Um, great evidence there for blood pressure as well, heart health, longevity, cholesterol, number of, number of great factors. And if you're taking a statin drug, you need to consider being supplemented with CoQ10. Why? Because statins deplete the body of CoQ10. Oh, good. Another show. Hope you learned something today. Hope you learned a lot of things, actually. Hope you learned how to take better care of yourself, how to keep yourself here longer to fulfill your mission and purpose. And that's just it. Our, our bodies and our minds and our hearts need to have a purpose. 
So whether our purpose is our work, our purpose is our, our play, our hobbies, our family, we have to find a purpose, something that brings us back, wakes, up, wakes us up each morning with that hunger to go out and be better. That's what we're looking for, right? That's what we need. And hopefully we can help you find that with your health. Take2healthcare.com is our website. I mentioned that several times today, but also want to make sure that you're, you know that we'll be back again next Saturday. Either Dr. Yaley, myself, or Dr. Merkel. I think Dr. Merkel's traveling, so it'll be Dr. Yaley or myself. But we'll be back with you again next Saturday to share these thoughts, ideas, and continue on with our mission to provide you with a healthier body to live in. Thank you for listening this morning to Dr. Andrew Dyer on AM 1290 WHIO. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. WHIO Dayton, WHIO FM Pleasant Hill, a Cox Media Group station. Powered by Back to Business IT. Take care of your business. We'll take care of your IT. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.